Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Guess what? It's Friday. And that Indeed. means it's Godzilla. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I contribute to Slash Film, and uh, that's all. But I've seen a lot of Godzilla movies. You sure have. And that is a substitute, I think, for most things. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't started in IRA yet, but by God, I've seen about half the Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that ought to count. Um, yeah, welcome back to Think Godzilla It's Friday. This is the podcast where we review every single Godzilla and Godzilla-adjacent motion picture ever made. Uh, and we are humming along. We're over halfway through now. And we are in the uh, uh, still towards the beginning of the Heisei era. Yeah, and Godzilla has just after two movies started going through his greatest hits. We already had Godzilla versus King Ghidorah last week, and this week we're talking about the follow-up in which Godzilla fights not only his nemesis, but like another hero who he sometimes uh, punches. It's like the Thing fighting the Hulk over and over again. You could say this is Godzilla versus Mothra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Godzilla versus Mothra. We've we've had Mothra versus Godzilla, you may recall, uh, and they've mm. encountered each other multiple times since. In Godzilla versus Mothra, uh, I, I'm just going to say it. They're basically remaking Mothra. Like there's there's it's very Mothra esque. There well, is a the, new they're... Mothra villain, but the basic mm-hmm. vibe in terms of introducing infant island introducing the peanuts or as they're known now the cosmos uh they're gonna mothra is gonna break out of an egg it's, they're gonna evolve from their larval state they're gonna mm. fight godzilla there's a few other things that they draped on top of it but this is a very familiar mothra story whereas godzilla versus king Ghidorah went in a whole weird direction yeah, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, which is is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was a, it had space aliens, it had time travel, it had Mecha King Ghidorah. You know, it had all of these weird, disparate elements that, and it just sort of kept on going and going and going. Um, this one, fee- and prior to that was Godzilla vs. Biollante, which was a new monster. It had a kind of a different tone. Uh, Biollante was like a new kind of a monster. Uh, a lot of the movie was devoted to watching Biolanti grow. Um, and then prior ghosts, to that was... We had psychics, we had all kinds yeah, was of a, stuff. Yeah, that's right, there was a psychic plot. in that movie. There was, a, yeah, like yeah. a whole 007 kind of thing. Then we had Return of Godzilla, which was kind of like a reboot. Um, Return of Godzilla was clearly banking on familiarity. It was a nostalgia piece. Mm. I feel like this is the first one in a while, which is also a nostalgia piece, because we are relying on a lot of affection for Mothra and a lot of the iconography of Mothra. Uh, and not just and that. It sort of yeah. assumes that the audience already knows a lot about Mothra and we just kind of roll with it, but it doesn't make the film seem odd. It makes the film feel like we should have been doing some homework. So it's, it's a little bit lesser of a movie. I feel like if I hadn't watched the Showa era that I wouldn't like this movie as much as I do. And to be perfectly frank, I don't like it a lot. Like it's okay, but it's this okay. is this this is definitely a step down. I think from the last few films, uh, and I think 
part of that is it's trying to strip down that weird complexity that had grown up in Godzilla versus Biollante and Godzilla versus King Ghidra. It's trying to like really go back to the basics of the monster fight and show era. Yeah. And as a result, there is almost a naive simplicity to this storyline. And to be frank, I think that makes it a little dull sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it's basically, uh, there's a there's a new monster. You think it's going to be Mothra, but it's actually uh, uh, Mothra's counterpart, Batra, oh. uh, which is a portmanteau of Mothra and Battle. Battle, uh, Black, battle, bat- moth, battle, battle Mothra, Batra. Battle Mothra. At first I thought it was like Badra, like the bad Mothra. Uh, there's a joke in Star Trek Lower Decks. There's a character named Badgie, who's like a Star Trek badge who has gone evil and gained sentience. And there's an episode of the most recent season where it has like a good personality that splits off from it. And the good personality is called Gucci. Yes. And it took me about five minutes to realize that what they had done was they had replaced the bad and badge with good. Yes. And I, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. So I kind of thought that's where they were going with Mothra. But it's Battle Mothra. Battle Mothra. Uh, and. And uh, uh, and yeah, and then Mothra will try to fight it. Godzilla will fight them both. Godzilla is not really the focus of this movie at all. He's just kind no. of a spoiler who just shows up just to just to bring a little chaos a couple of times with the movie. This is mostly a Mothra movie. I, I feel like this is Godzilla slumming it a little bit. Like he he agreed to be in this movie. Like just it's like oh, okay, fine. I'll just sort of do my shtick and then go home. And oh, okay, you. Paying scale, yeah, paying paying monster scale, good, good. So I'd say like it's when Conan, it's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger did Red Sonia, and it was yeah, supposed like to just be a couple of scenes, but they edited him into the whole movie, so he became the star. But he's not really his movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say that um, even though the the story is pretty straightforward, even though a lot of the Mothra stuff is just retreads of older Mothra stories. Um, where this film really excels is the special effects. There's some uh, cool stuff. I, I loved all of the monster stuff. I love this particular era of Godzilla movies in terms of just straight up visual clarity. Mm. There's, uh, even though the, the big final monster fight at the end, which is uh, Batra, Mothra, and Godzilla all fighting each other, um, it takes even though it takes place at night, it's mm. not like at night in the rain where we can see bits of it through lightning flashes and we're trying to make it look kind of like a haunted house. It actually is like well lit. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the, the size of the moths. I love how they sort of just crash them into Godzilla from time to time. Uh, <laughs> I was watching this with my eight year old son. Uh, he was walking through the room and he stopped and had to watch it with me. So he was like, Oh, those are pretty cool. Who's that? That's Batra. Oh, and that. Oh, and that's Mothra. I know Mothra. Oh, and that's Godzilla. Oh, is Godzilla a good guy or bad? Like he got started getting into it. That's um, adorable. And I think it's just because of a certain kind of monster choreography, lighting, and editing that yeah. lets you see them and know who they are and where they are in relationship to each other in a battle. That's uh, mostly true. That's mostly true in this movie. There's, there's, there's two. There's one exception to that, I think, and there's one thing that I think. Well, it doesn't negate what you're saying. I do think it makes the monster battles a little less cool. One is that there's a centerpiece monster fight in the middle of this movie between Godzilla and Batra that ends up taking place uh, underwater. 
for a lot of yeah. them. And that sequence, there's a lot of, because they didn't actually dunk everyone underwater for several minutes at a time. They're kind of faking it with, you know, lighting effects and the set design and like some smokiness. And it's easy to get away with. And I'm not complaining about that. But all of those attempts to make it look like it's underwater did obfuscate the action, I think, a little too much. And that bit feels a little bit like chaos. And I started to tune out. The other mm. thing I will say about that last battle which, generally speaking, is cool. A lot of cool stuff happens in it. I'm not complaining. Mm -hmm. But there's something they stopped doing in this one that they had done really well in Return and by Alante and King Ghidra. And that is they stopped trying, especially in the climax, to make Godzilla look gigantic. They stopped using really low angles. They started yeah. using higher angles. They started using a lot more close-ups of Godzilla. And... Even when he was, like, stomping around, like, the sound effects are lighter. Mm. It doesn't feel... It doesn't have the weight. It doesn't have the enormity, I think, of of the most recent uh, Heisei Godzilla movies that we've reviewed. And that makes it feel a lot less epic to me. Um, it's clear, sure, but a lot less epic. Mm. And I think that that was a mistake. But anyway, um, let's, let's talk about the plot. So the movie opens... With a meteor! A meteor is going to hit the planet Earth! Holy shit! Yeah, you think it's going to be wilder than it ends up being if you start you know, yeah. start out in space. And it ends in space, too. But yeah. it, it's not about aliens or space. No, a, a meteor hits planet Earth and it ends up on an island uh, in the South Pacific. Uh, and that island is being... Uh, readied for development by a big mega corporation. This will be important later. We then cut to Indiana Jones. Uh, it, it's a... Uh, I felt it was more like King Kong, but yeah. Well, there's a guy, he's in, like, it's supposed to kind of feel like ruins, but it's full of, like, industrially created red bricks, so it really doesn't read like that. But the idea is it's old and musty and dilapidated, and he, like, breaks through a wall, and he finds, like, an ancient idol, and he's like, ooh, dibs. And then the building starts crashing down on him, and he starts running out. It's, it's not as exciting as Indiana Jones, although there is a cool bit where he's running up a staircase that's collapsing underneath him. That part read pretty cool. And when he emerges, Belloc is there, and he says, Once again, you see, there is nothing you possess that I cannot take away. Mm. Except instead of Belloc, it's his ex-wife. And yeah. his ex-wife is there with a couple, with like a guy from that big mega corporation and a guy from the government saying, hey, a meteor just crash landed on an island and we can't think of anyone more qualified than you, petty thief, to investigate it. Which, to be frank, is really thin. Well, it, it, the, the, the point of the meteor is it crashes into Earth and it wakes up Godzilla. Uh, That's one of the things that it does, yes. That's, but you know the the sort of we need you to investigate it is just a a limp way to start the human story and the human story is they go to Infant Island to find uh, the this adventure guy uh, his ex wife and a, another guy uh, the corporate stooge go, yeah the corporate stooge they all go to Infant Island and that's where they discover uh, the cosmos the sw the singing pair and mm. Mothra and right. then we get a lot of exposition explaining how Mothra operates in this particular continuity 
And it's a yeah. little different from what we're used to from the previous Mothra stories. Mm-hmm. But it is a big information dump. Uh, before we get there, mm. though, I wanted th- this this opening sequence feels like the time the movie is having the most fun because they just get to do Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. Because we've got these guys and they're they're chomping their way through the jungle. The guy is told, uh, if you don't agree to this weird assignment that you're only nebulously qualified for, uh, you're going to go to jail in like Indonesia for like 15 years. And he's like, well, I guess I'll do it then. And they tromp off into the jungle. There's this great bit where it's like Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom where they're like walking over a suspension bridge, a rickety one between like cliffs. And mm. then it collapses and they swing into the the, uh, the side of a cliff and it's like, oh, can we climb up? No, we can't. We'll have to fall back into the water. And then they do. And then our hero, the Indiana Jones, you know, fun Nathan Drake thief type looks at a map and says, oh, you know what? It actually would have been faster to take the river. <laughs> and that's kind of funny. I had a good I had yeah. a good chuckle at that. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then they uh, travel down the river, and wouldn't you know, it's a dead end, which I'm a little confused by, because I guess they just went upriver, but then it turns out there's a big cave behind the waterfall, because there's always a cave behind a waterfall, and they find a whole bunch of like hieroglyphics showing mm-hmm. giant moth monsters, and yeah. when they emerge on the other side of the cave, there is the giant Mothra egg, and then, boom, the cosmos, which... You, you, you've been pronouncing it Cosmos, like they are together, an entity, yeah. like, you know, they are Led Zeppelin. I like to think mm-hmm. that each one is Cosmo. The, the two different Cosmos? Yeah, there's one Cosmo <laughs> and another Cosmo, and together they're the Cosmos. Um, I'm honestly not sure which one's which one's entirely right. But, um, yeah, they explain, okay. Well, they're, they're and they're this an actual, they're actual singing duo, the Cosmos. Hmm. Like, yeah. I think they put out records together. And uh, these are not twin they sisters. they do that before the movie or, or after the movie? No, no, I mean the the actresses. No, I realize that. My question is, were they a singing group before the movie and that's why they were cast? Or did I they th- get together I think they the were. I think okay. they were, like, an actual, like, established pop duo. But I don't know for sure. Fair enough. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, so the Cosmos explain. That's a, that's a Mothra egg. Uh, thousands, tens of thousands of years ago. Yeah, it was like there from, was a in, civilization. Yeah, twelve thousand BC. Uh, it was yeah. essentially the Atlanteans were around on Earth. Yeah, yeah, and they had invented with their super science machines that could basically control the weather. But the machines were much like the apparatus of modern industrialization, uh, harming the planet Earth, harming the environment, and in an attempt to rectify itself and save itself, Earth created a monster that would be capable of putting things right. Mothra had already existed, and they created a counterpart to Mothra called Batra that was supposed to bring balance. Not not, not quite. Um, No, no, am I getting it wrong? Batra was invented first. Um, Batra was first? Yeah. uh, Really? Okay, I I I guess I wrote it down wrong. Weird. Yeah, like, uh, and and they say it was created by Earth. So I'm guessing, like, there's some sort of, like, Gaia-like Earth intelligence, perhaps, or just evolutionarily, Earth produced this monster. They say a couple of times in the film that Earth as a whole is, like, a living thing. 
Yeah. So and the, we have so this, yeah, this a- yeah. ancient civilization invented these weather machines. They were wreaking havoc, and then they created Batra to take care of the machines. But then, uh, like, uh, like destroy them. Yeah. Yeah, destroyed civilization, and then, but Batra got to be such a badass that Earth created Mothra to fight off Batra. Yeah, because Batra was going to like basically kill every living thing. Yeah, and, uh, and then Mothra, yeah, Mothra overdoing fought, it slightly. Overdoing Mothra. It slightly fought off Batra, mm-hmm. and then the meteor from the start that woke up Godzilla also uh, opened the Earth and exposed a new Mothra egg. And as far as we know in this continuity, this is the first time Mothra is hatched in those 12,000 years. That does seem to be the case. And also, unlike previous Mothra movies where there were uh, a, a King Kong-like civilization living on Infant Island that would mm. do big, you know, elaborate numbers and frankly not be great representation of anything <laughs> just be um, really racist yeah, yeah pretty racist uh they no it's just the cosmos on the island no one else is there except cosmos and the egg uh which i, I guess fair enough um so yeah that's where we're at right now and so they decide to bring back the egg to and, and Japan. put it in and put it in showbiz because that again that feels That's what like they always do. it feels like something really perfu- like it's not organic in this movie it feels like perfunctory because that's what happened in previous Mothra movies that's kind of like, it in previous like Godzilla movies uh, I, I think this is true in uh, King Kong versus Godzilla and I think it was true in, in Mothra and at least one of the Godzilla movies as well um, there was a, like a, a a corrupt or evil or just really greedy industrialist. Yeah. And what they wanted was to exploit these monsters or these natural phenomenon uh, for money. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna go to this island where they have this like uh, strange elixir that has healing properties. And oh, good, there's a King Kong here. Well, we'll bring that back with us and we'll put it in showbiz. Oh, we've gone to Infant Island because it's got this weird thing where it's supposed to be irradiated, but people are alive. How are they doing that? Hey, look, a couple of miniature, like, like, fey folk that that are living here. I'm going <laughs> to kidnap them and I'm going to make them singers. Mm. I'm going to put them in live shows. And that and hasn't been like, established yet. Like, that this guy didn't know that the Cosmos were singers. Mm-hmm. And in, in this like, one, okay, like there so, was no motivation for him to do these things. And in a, they, they, this is clearly a universe that has a bunch of monsters. Why is this one yeah. going to be the one you want to put in a show? Well, I'll say that here, here's how they try to justify this. Um, they bring back the Mothra egg and it's like the, the company's going to research this egg or whatever. It's going to be good for the company. Somehow we're going to make billions. Um, mm-hmm. When Godzilla shows up. And, like, Batra show up, and there's, like, a whole fucking fight in the middle of the fucking ocean. Uh, they cut the Mothra egg loose because the monsters are going to attack it, and they're all yeah. going to die. And, of course, the corporate stooge is like, no, I need that money! But then, like, the egg hatches, and Mothra comes out, and it starts fighting Godzilla, and in, in, all of that in stuff larva, is fine. larva form, by yeah, the way. Yeah, larva form. Doesn't, doesn't uh, pupate until the third act, but... Basically, from that point on, Mothra is off in the weeds, and this guy, this corporate stooge, has 
nothing to make money off of from this really elaborate adventure. And so what he does is I'm going to kidnap two sentient beings and I'm going to bring them back to my corporate overlords and we're going to claim ownership over them and we're going to use them, what they say is in publicity, which I'm not sure how kidnapping sentient beings and forcing them to like humiliate themselves for you is going to be good publicity. The first interview they do, it's going to get real awkward real quick. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, it, it's, it's, it's the movie is like struggling to find an excuse to go through the same Mothra motions. Uh-huh. And it just doesn't work. There's so many other reasons you could have brought them back. Oh, we're, we're going to, these cosmos are magic. They claim to have lived for thousands of years. We could study yeah, them the, in a lab. You could, that would like be an excuse. Like a couple scenes you know? missing uh where we get to figure out a little bit more about the cosmos and why these people are reacting to them the way they are there's a little too much that's assumed now there are certain assumptions we can make about certain godzilla films which i'm willing to accept the idea that godzilla is going to attack another monster that it sees Mm mm-hmm it's like just just out of a pure reaction you know yeah like like instinct I, i first of all only part of that is based on like kind of a a general assumption about Godzilla that Godzilla attacks other monsters but part mm. of that we can kind of understand because Godzilla is an animal and if you have if you've ever lived with two cats then mm-hmm. you've seen that at play already so you know occasionally they just kind of attack each other so mm-hmm. those kinds of assumptions I'm willing to roll with the okay. kind of plot points about Mothra don't have that same kind of grace in this movie. It's well, they don't seem more they're, they're they're contrived. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole Mothra, like Godzilla, is I, I think like a lot of the great iconic movie monsters or just horror monsters. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you, you can ladle on specificity as much as you want, but at their core, they're pretty simple. You know, Frankenstein. He is a creature made out of corpses of other people who was brought back to life and questions his humanity. Simple. All the other stuff is gravy and it's great, but as long as you have that, you can do anything you want to that story and it's still Frankenstein. Uh, Godzilla is a mutated creature born from nuclear weaponry. Nuclear bombs. And it grows to ginormous size and it wreaks havoc on the world that unintentionally created it simple mm-hmm. mothra Although, is a twelve thousand year old moth god that uh would you know help destroy weather machines and now is uh in- inextricably linked to two l- little you know tiny magic people who sing and can summon it from vast distances and also mm-hmm. has an alternate like it, it, it there's nothing really clean here it's 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 always a bit of a jumble yeah yeah yeah, I, and, I, and there's no there, sense of been. awe. That, yeah, there's no sense of awe to that. The fact that Mothra is like from this ancient lost civilization. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're gonna do that whole Indiana Jones thing, have fewer shots of them, you know, dangling off of lev- ledges, and have yeah. more like awestruck conversations about how there was a civilization on this planet that's even older than we could have mm-hmm. thought. You know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Well, you, know, you know, a little thing they could have done that could have, like, really done a lot. So, like, in, the, in that opening scene where the Indiana Jones type guy uh, is, like, breaking down a brick wall and, like, finding, like, a really old uh, golden idol. Uh, mm-hmm. In the movie, I think it's Ganesh. 
but uh, <laughs> it, it could have it could, however, have been Mothra. Oh, hmm. what is this ancient statue of? I've never seen an, uh, like a god represented as a moth before. How interesting. I'm going to do some research on this. And then he's like the only person who's been looking into this Mothra stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why you bring him on to like investigate in Finale or whatever. Like you, you could have like put the pieces together in such a way that they led more organically up to Mothra, and then we accept Mothra more readily once Mothra shows up. Yeah, and I think I again I do think that they are actively relying on the idea that Mothra is a known quantity, and in fact, uh, you know, like a lot of the Godzilla movies, this version that we got isn't necessarily the first one that was pitched. And they talked about bringing King Ghidorah back uh, in another movie. And that didn't happen. They talked about just making a straight up Mothra movie and that didn't happen. Um, and apparently one of the reasons why they decided to make a Godzilla versus Mothra movie is that I, I don't know how they pulled this, but of all the Kaiju Mothra was mm-hmm. the most popular with women. And at least at the time, there were women outnumbered men in Japan. So they were just kind of playing to the demo. It was a numbers game. All right. They were playing to the demo. The demo really liked Mothra. So we'll do Mothra, which is fine, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's totally fine, especially considering how many of these movies you make that they occasionally just have one that just like, eh, let's give the audience what they want. Uh, Totally reasonable. But... I guess they're just really relying on familiarity here. And yeah. so that that's okay. But it makes the movie itself feel a little disposable and a little repetitive if you're familiar with previous Mothra movies and, like us, watched them only a couple of months ago. Yeah. You know? So that, that's another thing that we have to remember, though, is that these movies aren't necessarily designed to be mainlined the way that we do now or we can now mm-hmm. you know like when they do so, yeah, the, when they did sequels decades ago there was no assumption that the audience had seen the original yesterday yeah and, and might be a uh, vague memory yeah the, the people who are familiar with the myth of mothra would have seen it uh yeah not not the same day but Keep in mind, a lot of these movies were re-released pretty frequently. Also, this movie came out in 1992. The home video market was was already widespread at that point. You're right about that, and I agree with that. However, I do think attitudes towards sequels hadn't changed necessarily in the entertainment industry yet. And I think Mm -hmm. this general sense of, eh, we can get away with it, uh, I think still permeated for a while. Uh, and I don't think they necessarily yeah. took that home video thing for granted. Then again, I'm I'm extrapolating based on other examples I can think of in right. Hollywood. So that's different. That's a different ed- entity, of course. It, it's also worth noting that um, this whole backstory with Mothra will get its mm-hmm. own movie eventually. Yeah, a couple um, of them want it. Yeah, it after the Heisei era ends, there's going to be sort of like these little. Uh, adjunct films uh, all about Mothra, the rebirth, uh, the rebirth of Mothra films. There's three of them, yeah, and uh, the first one came in 1996. Through. And there's going to be scene. I haven't seen it, but I know there's a scene in the first Rebirth of Mothra mm. where um, we get to see that ancient civilization they refer to in this movie. So it's going to be kind of expanded eventually. But yeah. I, I I hate to forgive lazy writing for a movie that came later. 
Yeah, the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy, uh, we will get to it, the first installment, in about four weeks. Mm-hmm. So, before before too long, but we do have three more Godzilla proper movies to get to before we get to Mothra's spinoff series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we didn't really talk about Batra, because Batra looks really cool. Bat- Batra's supposed to be a a moth, but it... it, it... I thought, you know, you said you thought Batra was like bad Mothra. I thought it was bat Mothra because it it has kind of bat-like qualities. Uh, So I I thought, you know, it looks like Mothra has bug legs, but, you know, bat, it's like a bat bug. Uh, Yeah. No, Batra is not a bat. Bat, Batra is a bug, but... uh, I feel like I I looked it up. Hold on. I'm going to try to find this. I feel like it was specifically designed... uh, Okay, well, actually, originally... uh, Batra was going to be a, a monster called Gigamoth, okay. which was going to be a Godzilla villain uh, in uh, a movie called Micro Super Battle Godzilla vs. Gigamoth. But okay. Gigamoth was going to be a bird. So at some point, it's just sort of evolved. <laughs> it's called Gigamoth, but it's a bird. Why not call yeah. it Gigabird? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't say. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, they've taken away Mothra's egg. Uh, it was chased through the ocean. Mothra hatched and started biting on Godzilla's tail, uh, and yeah. it's really cute because um, Godzilla is attracted for no no really stated reason other than monsters fight. Is attracted to this egg and wants to destroy it. Yeah, um, hates oh, that egg. Yeah, uh, Mothra fights Godzilla off. Yeah, as a baby, like it literally busts out of its egg. First thing it has to do is fight Godzilla. Yeah, and and I does would have it, needed a does few it well. days. <laughs> like seriously, when I was first born, I'd be like, "Hey, Bibbs, you just got out of here, but uh, we need mm. you to fight Godzilla." Can I get a minute? But uh, then, yeah. but then Batra, who's also in a larval state at this point, looks like a little like horned worm. Also shows up at the battle. This is the part where they they sink underneath the ocean. There's a little bit of an underwater battle, but it's clearly not underwater. They just yeah. sort of filmed it and kind of made it look a little murky, which you I know, think you, looks better than if they had actually tried to film underwater or like I agree. Un- slowed down the film to make it look, yeah because every everybody was slower underwater. Yeah, watch Thunderball you, at some point. It's oh the, one of the most boring movies. Um, it, it, all of the underwater stuff. There was this huge trend in the '60s to make a lot of scuba movies and TV shows. Because yeah. it was very novel at the time. And they're boring. Because <laughs> it's boring. I'm sorry, it's boring. And you can you can ameliorate that by, you know, coming up with a somewhat convincing underwater backdrop, making it a little smoky, and shooting it at just a little slow-mo. Mm-hmm. So that people like look like they're kind of like, moving through something as opposed to just sort of gallivanting about. Uh, and I think they, again, I do think they, it, it comes off well. I think it actually works, but I do think that after a while with the, some choppy editing and all of the different foreground elements, it starts feeling a little chaotic and I lost track of the actual battle oh, okay. there for a while. I, I, um, uh, in a rare case of, you know, enjoying the the fight, I thought the actual... the it was actually visually pretty clear uh, as as okay. these things go, and the fight is so vicious that uh, Godzilla and Batra break open the tectonic plates and get sucked under the earth. 
And they're yeah. gone. And they're gone out of the movie for a while. (laughs) Yeah, it becomes a Mothra movie. But what happens is uh, it becomes, like, Mothra starts, Mothra is about, but what we get sidetracked by is the kidnapping of the cosmos. That becomes Mm -hmm. the whole focus of the movie for a really long chunk of time. And then the cosmos, and they do some cute things with, like, the cosmos, like, sort of incredible shrinking man size. Like, there's this one shot where they're in a hotel room, and the camera like pans over a great big bed and then it pans over to a chair and in the chair the hero has left his jacket and the cosmos are sleeping in his front jacket pocket like that's their bed <laughs> like they got like the, the 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 panel at the top front of the pocket is like their sheet and it's like you uh-huh. know what that, that's cute actually that's a nice little image it sort of reminds you of the scale of it i mean it's it's interesting if you think about it like how these Godzilla movies and the adjacent kaiju movies are about these gigantic creatures and how small we feel compared to those creatures. Mm. How helpless we are in front of these essentially, you know, animal gods. Right. And then in the Mothra movies, we have characters who are to whom we are that size. And I feel like sometimes we don't really get enough out of that. I feel like there's more that could be done with that interesting sense of like a triple sense of scale. Where yeah. the, the cosmos or the peanuts are to humans what humans are to Godzilla, which is very tiny. I feel like more could have been done. Mm. Anyway, they're, they're kidnapped yeah. by the corporate guy. And at this point, the, the corporation has gone from, well, look, we're trying to help the world out as best we can, uh, to, we're evil, evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less. There's a there's a bit where they're talking about how yes no uh, you know we've we've been destroying Mother Earth and it has come back to try to protect itself and like one of the corporate guys is like yes but of course every human being is equally responsible no <laughs> no me deciding to like re- recycle a few cans of of, of Coca Cola isn't nearly as important as you changing your entire business practice, which wastes a staggering amount of materials every single day and pumps the air full of pollution. And you're not doing anything about that. So no, it's not everyone equally involved here. I don't care what the fuck Captain Planet says, okay? (laughs) You're the villain in Captain Planet. You're going to have to live with that. Um Captain Planet was a weird show. Well, Captain Planet, uh, it's one of those you had to be there kind of phenomena uh, in terms of how environmentalism was being communicated to the public through pop media uh, was very unique in like the late 80s and early 90s uh, when there was sort of a a push at the time to uh, really incorporate those messages in media. Like, really aggressively, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and so, rather than tell stories about, you know, environmental responsibility, they became, like, incredibly preachy. And that was kind of yeah. their rise on Dutch. That's the reason they were making these things. And yeah. celebrities wanted to get in on these things because I think they could work off, you know, jail time. That was the way yeah, to do I, their community service. I have a couple service. of DUIs, so let me play a villain in, 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 in Captain, in Captain Planet, Planet. And that counted. So a lot of really yeah. high-profile people were involved. Um, and the writers of these things had no idea how to actually write a story 
about environmentalism. So they they could just rely on they had to fall back on a lot of different a super villains trying to collect toxic sludge and pour it into the water yeah. supply in this preschool. And you're like, what? A lot of a lot of like barrels of toxic waste started showing up. Like they had to find cartoony ways to depict things like pollution and cleaning up the earth, and those things aren't really inherently dramatic for like an action kids show. No, and and I just keep thinking about how like if that show came out for the first time today, how conservatives would be angry at it, like yeah. so angry because it actually attempted well, can, to have a lot of how, diversity. How, it actually it's really attempted easy to, to like, anger a conservative, but yeah, true. But like it, again, these were things we just took for granted at the time. That here is a kids show telling kids that corporations are selfish and destroying the the environment, mm. and. It's going to take a coalition of extremely diverse people working together to bring down that system through the use of essentially a pagan god. Like more or less, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's a weird pitch no matter what, but like it's 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 the sort of thing that nowadays there would be like senate hearings about whether it's brainwashing kids. And at the time we were we were kids, it's like well, this is kind of dopey, but I'm sure we can all get behind the same basic message, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it became really embarrassing when your ordinary comedy or action programs tried to get in on the action and tell mm. environmental stories, just sort of like oh, independently of the other episode. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, yeah. those were especially embarrassing. Those could be bad, but um, I, I remember when um, Tiny Toon Adventures came up with uh, their own char- their own sort of like Captain Planet type character. And I, I think they named, that. and they wanted to name it the Toxic Avenger without knowing that there was already a character from Troma called the Toxic Avenger. Oh my god! So they actually, so they actually put on an episode saying, "Hey, here's Plucky Duck. He's the Toxic Avenger." And Troma, I, I'm assuming, sent a cease and desist letter saying, "No, that's ours. You just I'm totally amazed ripped off that the got name." Through legal. I'm amazed, especially yeah. considering that around that time in the '90s. Mm-hmm. The Toxic Avenger, who, if you've never seen the Toxic Avenger movies, they're these incredibly ultra-low-budget monster movies made by this independent movie studio called Troma. And they are full of nudity and and extreme violence, but they've also got this kind of, like... There's a cartoon tone to them, yeah. There's a naivete to them. There's kind of a weird innocence, even when they tackle really harsh things. Uh, And that's what kind of made the Troma brand. That's what made people really loyal to them. Um, but these were like really hard R, sometimes unrated horror slash superhero movies with kind of an environmentalist edge. Um, in the nineties, everyone was sweet, was like swiping up every IP they could find, even things that didn't make sense for a kid's show. And they made a toxic crusaders kid's show. Yeah. 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 With Toxie and a whole bunch of like mostly made up new characters. They had action figures. I had a couple of them. Like nine, yeah, it was ninety one. This would have been uh, same time as Tiny Toons. Yeah, so like Tiny Toons, someone should have known better. Like it's weird yeah, that that, it, that that flew under the radar. That that you screwed up they, on that one. They they changed it really quick because I remember they they aired it as the Toxic Avenger, and they they didn't. When I saw it again, they clearly yeah. had the actors go back and re-record the lines, so it became get this really different. Mm-hmm. The Toxic Revenger. <laughs> okay, but then it's at least a parody. Uh, I suppose right? so. At the very least, like it's not the same thing. We're kind of making fun of it. You can get away with that. If that had been that from the beginning, fine. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, no, that's that's not the thing you do. Anyway, back to Godzilla vs. Mothra, which is frankly a little thin as far as like compare, especially compared to Biollante and uh-huh. King Ghidorah, which were full of bizarre scenes and wild story elements. Even though this movie is kind of weird, it's it's nowhere near as weird as previous movies, and it's a little straightforward. So the the cosmos have been kidnapped. Um, they decide to do their thing and call out to Mothra. And Mothra's like, okay, I guess I'll destroy Japan in order to save two people. And, and they, uh, they that's and they what sing happens. the old they sing the old Mothra song. Yeah, from, classic. Yeah, classic. So Mothra song, uh, and uh, and you know what? Still a banger. As far as I'm Although concerned, it, like it, it feels really uh, like. Do you remember when uh, the Offspring covered "I Want to Be Sedated" on that uh, Ramones tribute record? Yeah, um, vaguely. You listen to the Ramones, and they've said this in interviews. The re- the way they came up with their sound was they weren't very good at playing their instruments or singing, so they mm. just made it louder and faster to try to yeah. cover that. And that I mean, kind they of... only ever used a couple of chords, like, like yeah. literally ever. Yeah, they they admitted we couldn't play, so we played loud loud and fast and kind of sloppy, and that sort of is is credited as like being the birth of the punk sound, uh, and then. Other bands would come in and they'd try to cover a Ramon song and they'd take the grit out of it. They'd try to sort of really polish it up and make it sound a little bit more proper. And yeah, and you ruined it. it and yeah, it feels you a little bit wrong. Yeah. I feel that way yeah. about the Cosmos cover of the Mothra song. It's like they're, oh, really? they're doing it so cleanly that it, it loses a lot of its kind of loungy quality that it had from the original from back in the 60s. I see your point, but I do think that what they're doing here is that they're trying to take this element from the original movies that people probably remember and could hum along to, and then try to make it, like, a little more epic. It's not the same thing, but, like, um, one thing I actually liked, and I think they got away with, although it is kind of what you're saying here, you did lose the original vibe, uh, when Marvel took over Spider-Man in the movies. Okay. Um... Michael Giacchino came on board to do the score, and Danny Elfman had done a really good Spider-Man theme, I think, in the original movies. Like, it was pretty cool, it felt really epic, but it felt very Spider-Man-y. It had its own thing. It was very operatic in a lot of ways. Uh, Couldn't hum the theme to the Amazing Spider-Man movies for the life of me. But when Michael Giacchino came in to do a score for Spider-Man Homecoming, Mm -hmm. he clearly realized that the greatest Spider-Man theme had already been written and it wasn't Danny Elfman. It was the 1960s cartoon. So he adapted in an orchestral way. Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever. And you know what? It's stirring (laughs) when you hear it with a full orchestra. Like it's actually like pretty incredible. Like that one actually kind of works. And I feel like that's a little bit what they're doing here. They're trying to add this like sort of larger, more modern production sound. Uh, to the original and you're right it, it loses that lounge vibe it's not a record you would play you know at, at, at drinks at a madman party uh but I do, th- I do think it works i see your point though. i see your point though. i thought it worked mm. but um, in any case mothra is coming to save the peanuts and mothra this is the only time mothra gets to cut loose and kill people when it's yeah. trying to save two people it's a little ironic, but yeah it's just tearing its way through japan well he- here's here's what we know uh Mothra's been released. Yeah. 
Batra has been released, and the reason Batra has been released is for, because for Toxic Avenger reasons, the environment is being ruined, and the yeah. Earth is responding by unleashing its titans. Who's on? Who's responsible for all of this pollution? Humans. We're the assholes here. Of yeah. course, Mothra is going to kill humans. That, that that doesn't seem illogical to me at all. There's these two little immortal fairies that are you know much whose lives are worth more to Mothra than any human life. Yeah. Um, anyway, after a while, you know, Mothra is coming at you, everything, and uh, uh, humanity like sends its various useless weapons to stop Mothra. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. There's no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super lasers or floating airships, unfortunately. They do have Uh, those like like truck bound lasers that they've had since like the Showa era. That's got like kind of like a satellite dish at the back of a truck, and that shoots lasers. But yeah, we don't have the Super X. There's no like flying fortress here to take on Mothra. Which yeah, yeah. I mean, you built a flying fortress. You're not going to use it against the flying kaiju. I don't understand what we're doing here, but okay. Um. Uh, meanwhile, Godzilla shows up again because, hey, remember me? Hey, yeah, he and, and Batra were able to just sort of push their way up out of the earth and they're back. Mm. Uh, yeah, and they're causing some shit. And, he, and, and, he, and of course, in a dramatic fashion, Godzilla like bursts out of out of the top of a mountain. He comes out of Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji. He comes out yeah. of Mount Fuji just like, ah, which is pretty epic. Uh, and Mothra is, starts taking it on the chin and Mothra does that thing Mothra does where it starts spinning a cocoon. And everyone who was trying to kill Mothra until now decides, well, let's give him a minute to evolve into a stronger form. We'll wait. <laughs> you ready? You ready? Pupating, still pupating. All right. And now, okay, we're good. And then, and then Godzilla, un- and it's cool. Like Godzilla, like unfurls its wings, and it's or really Mothra kind of does. majestic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Mo- Mothra. Mothra unfurls yeah. its wings, and it's really majestic yeah. and. Very pretty. Um, there's a bit where Mothra, like, when he emerges from his cocoon, he emerges in a shower of gold glitter. Yeah. And all I'm thinking about is the person on the set that day going, I am not cleaning that up. There's <laughs> I found no this fucking li- way I'm cleaning that up. I found this a little uh, a little curious. In previous movies, Mothra was a she. Mm. And in this one, uh, at least in the subtitled version that I watched, mm. uh, Mothra was referred to as It. Um, okay. In fact, all of the monsters were were referred to as it in okay. in this in this movie. And if, I mean, if, fair. And, and I'm actually, you know, I I was looking at the uh, j- just to sort of read up on the background. I was looking at the the Wikipedia page for this movie, and yeah, yeah. On, in that description, they also refer to the monsters as it and not he or she. Interesting. Um, I was wondering about that myself, but I'm glad you looked up that up because mm. I wasn't sure if I'd noticed that consistently enough for it to be a real observation. So I'm glad you looked that up. Mm. Um, yeah, Mothra unfurls its wings and Batra starts chasing Mothra all over Japan. And Batra has like lightning blasts it can shoot out of its face. Mm-hmm. And Mothra just keeps flying around and Batra keeps shooting stuff around Mothra and killing God knows how many people. And after this has been going on for several minutes, I just started yelling at the screen, what is your plan, Mothra? (laughs) Are you leading him somewhere? Are you trying to wear him down? Because all you're doing is getting a lot more people killed than than otherwise would. Like, I, I don't understand what you're going for. 
Uh, it turns out that there is a reason why Mothra isn't fighting Batra too hard, but we'll get to that in a minute. But Godzilla shows up, and just when Batra was like tr about to kill Mothra, Godzilla starts fighting Batra. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, oh, is this Godzilla being cool? Like we're cool, me and got me and Mothra, we're cool. I'm gonna fight Batra for you, mm -hmm. but it's not actually. And it turns out that like uh, Godzilla will just fight whoever is around because when Mothra finally like gets up, uh, uh -huh. Mothra instead of like teaming up with Godzilla to stop Batra, fights Godzilla to save Batra. Yes. And if I'm Godzilla, I'm like, what? Make up your mind, Mothra. Well, we they are counterparts and they were rivals, but we learn uh, through this like big final battle that, uh, and you kind of have to infer this because it's not really said explicitly in dialogue, but Mothra and Batra, who protect yeah. the Earth, you know, from environmental disaster, have discovered mm. something that's even more destructive than pollution, and that's Godzilla. So that's, that's why they team up to get Godzilla. Yeah. That's they reach an understanding. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's all in like monster speak. <laughs> they just sort yeah. of roar at each other. Rawr, 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 and the cosmos rawr. don't really translate it the way that they did in other movies, which is kind yeah. of annoying. It would have been nice if they had because they're there, they're watching it. Uh, so Mothra and Batra team up to stop Godzilla. Godzilla, and I gotta say, Godzilla does something I've never seen Godzilla do. And I, when I saw him do it, I'm like, it's weird that I haven't seen him do this. He bit Batra in the throat, and the, like yeah. Batra is like spewing like whatever moth blood, the yellow, looks like. It's like, yellow yeah. monster blood, yeah, 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 all over Godzilla's face. And I thought to myself, he's a carnivorous dinosaur monster. Mm -hmm. How has he never bitten anyone before? Like he's he never just taken a did he just take a chunk out of King Ghidorah? I don't remember it. Well, I, I, I don't think he's taken a bite of any of That's the, the other other monsters. But yeah, he's definitely like actually he's got these incredibly sharp he's got these incredibly sharp teeth. He could like rip the throat out of Rodan, and he never fucking does. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to see him do it, especially it's weird to see gore involved. Yeah, well, I understand uh, Godzilla's like a fantastical creature, especially in the Heisei era when he's yeah. created by a nuclear bomb. It's been pretty uh, clearly stated mm -hmm. that uh, Godzilla is burning inside with nuclear fire. So Godzilla only needs to sort of absorb radiation to to uh, sustain himself. Yeah, but it. It's always bugged me a little bit that we never see Godzilla eat anything. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Godzilla have a snack. Like, like he still needs he, calories, he, right? How are we, how is he, he sustaining all he that body mass? a big lobster at one point. He had a shellfish just <laughs> right for the picking. Like, just boil the ocean around the lobster. Yeah. Get a giant slab of butter somehow. And no, and there was already happen. butter in that movie. Remember in, in Eberahara of the Deep, they were spraying all this, like, it looked like drawn butter. They were spraying all this yellow substance in the water around Ebera. I forgot. You're right. That was awesome. There's a big buttered lobster right there. Just eat the it. Sol the solution to Mothra and Batra's problem of Godzilla presents itself when Batra grabs Godzilla by the, by the torso and Mothra grabs Godzilla by the tail and they decide to just like airlift him out of Japan. Yeah. And they fly over the ocean and it's and, like, and they've, they've spent enough time trashing this. It, it's, it's a real life, um, 
amusement park that they were fighting in and that uh, yeah. Ferris wheel that they trapped Godzilla under. They knocked a uh, Ferris wheel over and Godzilla is sort of caged underneath it very briefly. That's a real yeah. uh, uh, Ferris wheel that you can go to, go to in uh, Yokohama. Yeah. Uh, they fly him out into the ocean and they're like, where are they taking him? And then they're just going to take him as far away as they can. It's like the ending of The Dark Knight Rises. And Batra dies in mid-flight. Like, you see the lights go out of his eyes, because it's... Like, yeah, well, God, God's... Batra makes the mistake... They mistake make the mistake of carrying Godzilla on his back. They mm. lift him with his so back to the ground. facing them, yeah. So, yeah, it's like... So, Batra was face-to-face with Godzilla after Godzilla already bit him. Yeah, and he's like... And guess and what? Godzilla still, still has nuclear... And he still has nuclear breath, so Godzilla just blasts him directly in the face. Yeah, and uh, so Batra dies, which is sad. And then... Uh, Mothra finally drops them both in the ocean, and I'm thinking to yourself, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's just going to temporarily inconvenience Godzilla. He's just going to walk out of there. Uh, but Mothra's got it figured out. He, f- uh, it, Mothra, flies in a s- giant circle over where he dropped Batra and Godzilla, mm-hmm. creating a giant glowing sigil. It's yeah, it's, and I guess that solves everything. It and. Again, this is not explained, and that's not even something from, like, Mothra myth. No, nope, Mothra that can create these kind butt. of magical symbols that I'm guessing was done to keep Godzilla underneath the water somehow. Like, it was I guess. magically the, paralyzing Godzilla. This is the Mothra version of, like, in Superman 2, when Superman pulls the S off of his costume and throws it at a guy, and it's suddenly, like, a net. Yeah, yeah. And you're like... When was what, that what ever Superman a thing? power was that? Yeah. <laughs> when, I've never heard of that before or since. You've never no one's ever come back to that because <laughs> it was bad then and it will always be bad. So this is just the god just Mothra pulling something out of his butt. And then Mothra returns to Japan. The Cosmos say, "Okay, oh, hey, by the way, <laughs> huge plot point we forgot to mention until now. Uh, oh, the, there is a, and, and this 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 reeks of like Poochie died on the way back to his home planet because oh, yeah. this is like, like totally last minute stuff. How how this was how he, I, I I seriously would love to have been in the room when they explained why we're just doing this in literally the last scene and the last like seriously we drop Godzilla in the ocean. There's a giant gold sigil." Boom, Mothra is on like an airfield somewhere and everyone's saying goodbye to the cosmos and someone says, whoa, so you're saying a giant meteor is going to strike the earth and kill us all before the end of the 20th century? And the cosmos are like, yes, that's what was happening this whole time. Batra wasn't summoned because of, you know, mankind's like pollution or whatever, which kind of torpedoes the entire theme of the movie. Well, yeah, then, uh, then why then why are they attacking? That's what they said before. So instead, <laughs> they ch- they Batra it. was... Batra had shown up because Batra was going to be needed to s- destroy this meteor. And now that Batra is dead, it's up to Mothra to destroy the meteor. So Mothra collects the cosmos. And they, like, fly away. I guess they could fly, by the way, which I've never mentioned before. They fly onto Mothra's back, get converted into pure energy somehow. And then Godzilla flies off into the sky to they're, punch they're out a meteor at the edge of the galaxy. Yeah, they're, they're they're not converted into energy. They're just really tiny. They just sit on Mothra's uh, mandible. But they like, but they like turn into like a cartoon animated like golden thing. I don't know. It, so, yeah, like I, there, I, there's I, like a, a Tinkerbell moment. But yeah, I guess I was taking it too literally. But anyway, so yeah, they they jump. But I hope they can breathe in space because Mothra didn't drop him off. Mothra flies out into outer space, 
uh, to basically punch out a giant meteor before it can arrive on Earth. But we have plenty of time because it was going to show, show up in like a decade. And then the, the the daughter of like the the Indiana Jones guy and his ex wife is like, oh, will Mothra ever be back? And everyone's like, yeah, sure, I don't know. Um, I, I, guess, I guess it's up to us to protect the Earth while Mothra is gone. Message? Credits. <laughs> Mothra flies off into space. That's the end of the fucking movie. Um, that that last bit about the meteor is. So I have no, I have no idea what that's supposed to be about. I can't remember like, the last time I saw a movie tack on that much in the last few seconds. Like, how about just? How about Mothra has protected the Earth long enough, and there's yeah. and has to go now, and that's it. Yeah, I, just, I, or I, Mo- I just, Mothra wants to go, Mo- Mothra wants to leave Earth and to find other people. It to was defend. a perfectly good justification for Batra showing up that actually had a tie-in to actual real-world issues that affect the audience. It was, mm-hmm. you know, heavy-handed and kind of obvious, but it was fine. Like, it worked. Yeah. It made sense. I didn't question it. I never thought to myself, I don't believe this is really Batra's motivation here. I think something else is going on. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't know. I think... I'm I'm struggling to come up with why this was necessary. They, there's like a moment in the final fight where Mothra and Batra look like they're talking to each other and the Cosmos look at each other. It's like, at last, they understand. And I'm like, we don't. And I guess that was Mothra <laughs> promising to finish Batra's work. Yeah. You know, that's like Steven Spielberg telling Stanley Kubrick, don't worry, I'll make AI. Like, that's Mothra telling Batra, I'll make AI. <clears throat> I, I don't get it, man. I, uh, like That's I said, the the, the best thing about it, I think, is is the monster fight stuff. There's like, good stuff. The, it, they're really well edited. They're really well paced. I love like the design of the monsters. All that stuff is pretty great. the The story is way too presumptuous. Uh, how much we mm-hmm. care about Mothra. This this is supposed to be the introduction of this classic monster. Remember when they brought back King Ghidorah and they said, "Oh no, this is like time travel Dorats that we brought back to 1944 and now it evolved." Yeah. It's like, okay, you actually like put a lot of weird, interesting stuff behind King Ghidorah. They didn't, yeah, and I, do quite as well with Mothra, and it doesn't which is have to be, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, it doesn't have to be super wacky. It doesn't have to be you know narrative chaos. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be like all that eventful, but if you're gonna strip it down, you 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 really need to make sure you still grab our attention. And, and this uh-huh. is just kind of repetitive from previous mostly Showa era movies, and they're just huge chunks that it's just I've seen this before, or I'm just waiting for it to come back. The one exciting bit, and yeah, it's it's a ripoff, but then again, King Gator a ripped off Terminator. Um, is the opening Indiana Jones stuff. They clearly having some fun there. <clears throat> Actually making fun of it. They're they're parodying those uh, yeah. Hollywood films. Well, they're they're having fun, What's but my... I wish it was yeah. a little bit more adventurous and pointed more solidly to the movie we were going to get. And I think it could have done that more organically, I agree, but regardless, by the time they find the Mothra egg, that's gone and we're just watching Mothra and Godzilla do stuff, which is okay to a point. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it, it, it's, it's, I feel like the last couple of Godzilla movies were like really energized to try to keep our attention. Like, let's do it. Let's put on a show. 
And this one, it just feels like they're kind of taking our interest for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the same director who made uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra also did the next film that we're going to be watching. Uh, it's worth noting also that Godzilla vs. Mothra was the last film that was made while Ishida Honda was still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even visited the set. He visited the set just to see uh, what he thought is not a matter of record, unfortunately. That's a shame, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the next one is going to be the first film made after the death of Ishiro Honda, and they're going to bring back Mechagodzilla. Yep, and even though this is the first appearance of Mechagodzilla in this new continuity, it will be called Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Well, because the last one, there was a film already called Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, I realize that, but you didn't have to call it Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Like, that would be like, that would be like you, like, rebooted James Bond with Casino Royale, right? And then you do Quantum of Solace, and then you do Skyfall. And then, like, what if the next one you did was Moonraker 2, but it was still the Daniel Craig, James Bond, and the first Moonraker never happened? It'd be um, weird that you called it Moonraker 2. I suppose so. I'm I'm willing to forgive it. I'll forgive it. I'm just going to point it out that it's kind of weird. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're... Uh, th- mm. this the And the next film is kind of going to ignore everything that happened with Mothra and go back ah. to the Mecha King Ghidorah story from the last movie. So, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla vs. Mothra was kind of an aside and now we're kind of going, going back to the main uh, continuity. Not only well, will we have... Just- yeah. Mechagodzilla. We're also gonna have Rodan in the next one. Oh, uh, fun! The Heisei version of Rodan, and we're gonna meet Rodan. a new character, Baby Godzilla. No. Yeah. Baby Godzilla no. will show up in the no. next three movies. It's, no. it's sort, sort of the Heisei version of Minila. No. Why? Why would you do that? All right. Maybe. Maybe this will be the cool version. I don't know. Um. But yeah, you're right. Godzilla vs. Mothra really did feel like an aside. It felt like it just it felt like Godzilla cameoed in someone else's movie, but they called it a Godzilla movie. Yeah, because uh, it really doesn't revolve around Godzilla at all uh, in a way that was kind of disappointing. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla too. You know, I love me some Mechagodzilla. Always a treat. Uh, that's it for Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Thank you everybody for listening to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Uh, as always, we remind you that if you want to listen to episodes of Thank Godzilla, it's Friday ad free. And one week early, you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where you can not only get all of our new episodes of all of our shows ad free, uh, you can also get a bunch of exclusive shows, uh, such as uh, All Our Yesterdays, where we review every single episode of Star Trek in order, uh, Only the Best, where we review every single movie ever nominated for Best Picture, and we started doing Only the Best International where we're doing every single film ever nominated for Best International Feature in order. And uh, coming up next, we're going to do the first film in the Samurai Trilogy, uh, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. Hopefully do that before the end of the month. Uh, and uh, and a whole bunch of other things besides. And thank you to all of our patrons. Without you, we couldn't do this. We're incredibly grateful to you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode or just ask us any questions at all, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, at 90064. 
Yeah, and uh, and again, our show We've Got Mail is back. It was on hiatus for way too long, but send us a, send us an email. We'd be happy to read it on the air. Um, at, or physical letter. And of course, we're on social media at Critic Acclaim. I am at William DeBiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until next time, never forget Mothrar! Mothrar! <laughs>